I'm Michael Fox, and I'm the publisher of the Prospector News, and this is the Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly for November the 24th. And joining me, as he always does, is Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. Welcome, Mickey, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I worked all day yeah. yesterday. Yeah, Canadian markets were open. I imagine you did, too. I, I, I pretty much worked, but up here in Canada, it's not a holiday. We just call it Thursday, so... But you must be in a good mood. I understand Mizzou won today. Yeah, Mizzou kicked butt again today, 48-14 versus Arkansas. And the next game is a New Year's Eve Bowl on, uh, or no, New Year's Day Bowl, I should say. Well, something to look forward to at the uh, at the end of the uh, holiday season. But the markets, uh, holiday short week, the markets uh, had the holiday fever, didn't they? Well, we had black all the way across the board. So, uh, well, with the exception of the U.S. dollar, and generally when it goes down, other things are in the black. So uh, 13 of 14 metrics that we were tracking were in the black this week, led by gold, which peaked above 2,000, uh, closed at 2,003. And really, this is all about a weak dollar. Uh, the weak dollar it continues uh, for four weeks now. So uh, silver had a very nice week too. Uh, it closed at 24.32. That's a four-month high. And platinum and palladium have both recovered from their recent debacles three weeks ago. So platinum closed at 9.31, the same as it did three weeks ago, up 4% on the week. And palladium has regained most of its big loss uh, in the three to four weeks ago. It closed at 1,054, up almost 3% on the week. Yeah, and Dr. Copper, with the U.S. dollar down, it uh, it got a wee bit of a bid this week as well. Well, it was up 2.2%, uh, 8 cents. That's a pretty big move. It's up 16 cents over the last couple of weeks. And really a lot of that was due to the dollar. Uh, but China is boosting. So uh, that made speculators think that Chinese demand is likely to increase. And that's reflected in a contango and a very star strong forward curve. Yeah, uh, you know, everyone keeps talking about this copper deficit. So the copper price, you know, if it is in fact in deficit, you know, it needs to go up higher for sure. Um, the oil price. Well, is let, let's back up just a minute. And if you look at the at the copper surplus or deficit balance or copper balance curve over the last fifteen years, uh, it it's basically balanced every year. Uh, some years it's three, four hundred thousand tons in deficit. Some years it's three, four, five hundred thousand tons in surplus. But compared to a yearly market of 25 million tons, copper stays in balance because it's driven by supply demand fundamentals. Uh, when we're talking deficit in copper, uh, uh, the outlook for copper and the mid to long term 
is pretty bleak because we're not finding enough copper to replace what we use every year. Yeah, well, that that's what I was meaning about the deficit. So, you know, copper prices you would think would go up because of that. So, uh, but uh, the weak U.S. dollar uh, caused uh, a bit of a reversal in the oil prices. They were up this week. Yes, and once again, I think that was driven a lot by a weaker U.S. dollar and uh, the rumors that uh, OPEC is actually going to meet next week. They're quibbling. A virtual meeting has been canceled from a meeting in Vienna. So uh, combined, it led to a stronger WTI close at 75.20. That's up 3%. Let's look at the numbers. Rigs plus four. Production is stalemated at 13.2 million barrels per day for the last couple of months. Inventories uh, gained a little less than 9 million barrels. Imports jumped up 200,000 to close at 6.5 million barrels per day. And refineries are still plus or minus 15.3 million barrels per day. Yeah, um, be interesting to see what comes out of that OPEC meeting next week to, you know, if it's going to be, you know, it's been strange. They've been talking about, you know, rolling back the uh, production, yet the the oil prices have been going down on that news. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to see what happens uh, coming out of that meeting. That other energy, uranium, hit another high, and it was up quite substantial this week. Yeah, it continues its surge, now above $80. I got prices on Wednesday on the spot market, $80.75 per pound. That's 6.5% increase. And we're in rarefied territory, at least in uh, real uh, unreal dollars, uh, not in constant dollars, but... Uh, uh, the oil price has never been so high since uh, it went on that ridiculous parabolic spike in 2007 when it actually hit $1.35 a pound and immediately came off. Uh, one thing I did notice is U.S. developers, of which I own stock in three of those, finally got to 52-week highs. So uh, the advanced uranium producer developers uh, are starting to reflect this increased spot price and if this holds uh, you know we're going to see some uranium production come on the U.S. pretty quick. Yeah it's starting to get close to that magic number that uh, everybody all the producers keep saying they need to uh, to bring some of the projects back on back online so yeah, well, it really is at that number right now, but it's going to take a while. Uh, you know, people, companies have uh, prepared for this, but you just don't go and turn on ISR wells and turn on uh, your recovery plant. Uh, you know, that's going to take two or three months, and they are also going to want to make sure that this uranium price is going to hold. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, 
it's the same uh, concept uh, to opening up as it is to shutting down. It's just not the matter of just flicking a switch and, uh, you know, you can start production or stop production. So, yeah, you're right. They are going to want to see some sustainability there before they, uh, they start to make those moves. But uh, moving over to the money markets, the, uh, the dollar was off uh, again for a second week in a row. Yeah, it closed at 103.38. It is down 3% over the last four weeks. The U.S. Treasury uh, gained two basis points, basically flat, to close at 4.47%. Euro gained nine-tenths of percent to close at 109.4. And the loonie uh, closed at 73.34, also up nine-tenths of percent. Uh, a lot of this has to do with the realization, I think, that U.S. is in a debt spiral uh, and leading to a weaker dollar. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that analysis. Uh, um, they kicked the can down the road, but they've they've got to take a really good hard look at the books and try and bring some semblance of balance and disorder. You can't run a household like that. Well, the... The uh, interest expense on the debt is now at $1 trillion per year. Yeah, just pocket change, right, Mickey? Yeah, just print some more. Yeah. So the markets, the markets, uh, they had a little bit of holiday fever as well. So three and a half day weeks. So uh, we're now in a four week rally in stocks as the dollar weakens. Let's go through the numbers. Dow 35390 up 1.6%. S&P 500 4559 up 1.1%. 1 .1%. The VIX continues to trend lower at 12.5, so not a lot of volatility. Uh, and NASDAQ it was also a winner, closed at 14251 up a percent. So the Stocks, I mean, it just keeps going, and it's kind of like, what's what stagflation? What silent depression? What it's about like, the hoi polloi? And really, the one percenters just don't care. No, no, it's like an Alfred E. Newman market, what, me worry? Exactly. Yeah, even the poor cousin up north, the TSXV, it was up this week as well. Yeah. It really reflected what's going on in the U.S. markets. Volumes have been ticking up. 20 million shares per day are greater than that, uh, ex except the uh, holiday on Thursday. And to exhibit the amount of influence that U.S. traders have on the Canadian market, uh, with the Toronto Venture Exchange open yesterday and U.S. markets closed, traded 7 million shares. So that kind of tells you two-thirds of volume Toronto Venture Exchange is coming from south of the border. The numbers, yeah. 532 on the Venture Exchange up 13 points, that's 2.5%. Yeah, but, you know, it was up two and a half percent and considering it, uh, it hit bottom about three weeks ago, up, up is better, even marginally. 
Yeah, actually, the bottom was hit two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago to, uh, today, in fact, at 510. But uh, this is still a pre-pandemic all-time low. Yeah, definitely. So what's on the order for next week? Boy, it's a busy week. I'm glad you asked. We have consumer confidence numbers in the U.S. We have preliminary Q3 GDP expected to be good. We have the OPEC plus virtual meeting on Thursday. We have new home sales and pending home sales. Markets always want to look at that. That will not be good. We have uh, CPE, the consumer personal expenditures, which is supposedly the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation. We have manufacturing PMI on Friday, and Powell's going to sit in front of fireplace and chat with somebody on Friday. Well, that's uh, that's a full week. It is. Gra- grab your popcorn. Let's, There's lots let's to watch. Hope, let, let's let's hope he doesn't set anything on fire in front of the fireplace. You know. Uh, I get I get a kick out of this. I don't know how this fireside chat. I think it came about when Roosevelt was president. He would address the American public in front of a of a fireplace, uh, presumably burning logs back then. Maybe it was gas. Who knows? But now they have all these fireside chats, which you never see a fireplace. You never see a fire. I don't quite get it. No, but if, uh, you know, Jay Powell's sitting in front of a fireplace, you know he's probably just burning cash. <laughs> Good one. So do we have a uh, a poll for the, for the week? Oh, we always have a poll. And that's uh, the question this week is, where should Americans fund remote wars? And your choices are Russia, Ukraine. Second choice, Israel, Gaza Strip third choice both of the above and their fourth choice is never anywhere well i'm a peacenik so i'm i'm the fourth choice never anywhere and so am i you know we we spent we spend uh way too much money on ways to uh to kill each other we don't we don't need to do that yeah give peace a chance we left out one little bit this week. What's the Rolling Stones song of the week? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, we've got a good one. It's Jumpin' Jack Flash. Speaking of fireplaces and gas, there was a photo that went viral yesterday, and it was from Vice President Kamala Harris cooking Thanksgiving dinner for her hubby in front of a gas-burning stove, which are now illegal in California. So if you remember the words, Jumpin' Flash, Jack Flash, it's just a gas. Yep, but not in California. And if Biden has his way, nowhere in the United States. Yeah, well, that's going to uh, put a lot of pressure on commercial kitchens because they love their gas down there. Yeah, you imagine a chef cooking on electric? No way. Oh, they, they'll lose their they'll lose their grip on everything. Gordon Ramsay. Well, I, I would too because I hate uh, anywhere 
any stove that's electric. I'm a gas man from way back. Yeah, the only time uh, I don't use gas is uh, when I'm cooking on the charcoal grill with good old Missouri hardwood, hickory, and oak hardwood charcoal. Yeah, well, we've got winter going, so I don't see myself in front of a charcoal grill anytime soon. So uh, you made my mouth water with that. So look forward to chatting with you next week, Mickey, and we'll see what all those uh, special events and fireside chats uh, bring us as far as news and, and their effect on the markets. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. The Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated by our friends at Kitco.com. Mickey Falp and his musings can be found at MercenaryGeologist.com and on Twitter at MercenaryGeo. And I'm Michael Fox, published at ProspectorNews.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next week.